And we are back here for another weekly episode of X's and Opinions. I am Chris Jones, and I'm here with Matt Soderberg and Darren Worrell. We have a lot to talk about today, a lot going on in the sports world. New York Giants looking a little iffy. People are kind of questioning the organization over there if they made some right uh, choices over the offseason. And again, New York baseball not looking the greatest. Uh, Got to see what the future is holding for them. And a lot of potential injury history or soon-to-come future for some NFL stars. So if we want to get started, we can talk about, again, New York Giants. I'll be honest, that's a very touchy subject for me being a Giants fan. It's not an easy lifestyle I live. New York Giants, in the first six quarters of the season, were outscored 60-0, to zero, something I believe has never, ever happened in the history of the NFL, and it's still crazy to me to think that's how that their season started. So I think the big question is, what do the Giants do here? Because, again, Saquon got injured again. Uh, he said himself that he believed he suffered a high ankle sprain, which a lot of times can hold you out for a month or a little bit longer than that. But he's trying to come back as soon as possible. So what do you guys think is the outlook of this team right now and kind of the impact that Saquon's injury will have on this team? Yeah, Chris, it's going to have a huge impact. And you kind of pointed it out, but especially how much their defense has struggled over the past few weeks. Like Josh Dobbs, a career journeyman who's been on multiple teams, was looking like prime Mike Vick out there. It wasn't good. So um, offensively, though, it's going to play a huge role because he's obviously their best player on that side of the ball. Daniel Jones, he hasn't exactly played the best in that first, well, in the first game against the Cowboys. He didn't play well. And then he turned it around against Arizona, but I mean, uh, it, it's Arizona, you know what I mean? And then again, the 49ers are a very good team, so I can't really blame the team as a whole for struggling there, but it's not really looking good. Daniel Jones is going to have a lot of pressure on him. Uh, he already does with how much money he's got, but Saquon's injury, that's only going to put more pressure on him to play well and to step up and to be worth the $40 million contract per year that he was given. And I mean, they're really going to expect a lot of him out of Darren and Darren Waller. The offensive line's going to have to hold up, which it really hasn't thus far. So there's going to be a lot more pressure on the plate of the Giants without Saquon. So I feel like now that the Giants lost their, like, star running back, like, somebody else got to step up. I mean, there's 52 other players on the team, so somebody else has to step up. Like, when you sign up for the NFL, like, when you, when you enter that draft, the skill set, you're making a commitment to the team that you're going to be ready to go, like, when the player's out. So It's definitely a tough situation for the Giants because, again, the, the big player we're talking about today, uh, Taylor Barkley, the the running back position as a whole is a very – it's a scarce position due to its longevity and how long they last in the NFL because they, they do not last long, unfortunately. I believe the average, like, career lifespan in the NFL for running backs, I believe it's around, like, two and a half years. And to think that, like, running backs last only that long, you look at Tom Brady, who was in the league for, like, over 20 years – so, like, how does one position only last two years compared to another? Especially with a guy like Saquon, he is the turning point of that offense. He can get that offense going. He can change things, change the lifestyle of the game. He can really be a big, impactful player. So now I want to go towards him more specifically. What like what does this have on his career? Because as a Giants fan and Giants fans in general, like, we love Saquon. We wanted him as a lifelong Giant. We believe that this one-year contract was going to be the the year that he proves himself, stays healthy, be the guy that be the guy that we know he can be. 
But again, we're already two weeks in and he's injured. So for him personally, like, is, is this going to impact his career as a giant and his career as an NFL player? Yeah, absolutely. Just knowing how many injuries he's had in the past, that makes it far less likely he's going to get a long-term deal, which really is why he hasn't gotten that deal yet. It's just because of injuries. We know the guy is a star. There's no doubt about that. He's one of the premier running backs in the league. But there was a gap of four years where he didn't make the Pro Bowl just because he was knocked around and he was injured so many times. And it's really unfortunate just watching it because I know how much talent he has, and I want to see him play well. I want to see him do good. I want to see him on the field. But it's just that inconsistency that the Giants can't go all in. They can't believe in it. And this is just another example of him getting injured. I know he's on a one-year $10 million deal right now. Obviously, just the value he provides on the field. If you don't look at the injuries, like obviously he's worth way more than that. He's worth way more than $10 million. We all know that. It's just the injuries that hold him back. So, I don't think he's going to get the long-term deal with these injuries and how often they've been. And I can't exactly blame the Giants. You look at the history of running backs. Take a look at some of the guys who got knocked around. And like you said, Chris, the lifespan of a running back, it's so short. It's by far the shortest in the NFL. And then you look at other guys like Melvin Gordon, Le'Veon Bell, uh, Todd Gurley, you could even throw Ezekiel mm-hmm. Elliott in there. The guys who just weren't worth the money they were paid, it's, it's a big risk. I definitely agree with what Matthew said. Um, he is a star. He is a star. And, um, like the Giants chances of like making the playoffs is kind of like slim now that he's injured. So the, the Giants, obviously, if we're being honest, like it's, it's the game of football. It's not a one man sport. It's not a one man team. There's 11 guys on each side of the ball playing their hearts out, doing their best they can to make things happen on the field. And, Matt, I believe you talked about him before. Daniel Jones is getting paid $40 million a year, which when that happened, the NFL world was blown away. I understand the quarterback market is very much increasing each and every single day as we move on. But, again, $40 million for a guy who won one playoff game and then got blown out in the second round of the playoffs – is a lot of money. It's a lot of money. And now I believe Daniel Jones is currently on pace for 11 passing touchdowns this season, which is going to be his career low. And again, as a quarterback, that's not what you want. You want a guy going for 25, possibly even 30 passing touchdowns, like minimum in a season. And I think he's only going to be getting around 11 to maybe at most even 15. This offense has not been looking like what we thought it was going to be coming into this season. Let's be honest, was that contract extension a mistake? Was paying him that much and for that long not worth paying him that type of money? I would say what saves him is the fact that he won't be getting any guaranteed money until the third year of his deal. That was a big victory for the Giants just in terms of contract negotiations. I mean, the quarterback market, like you said, though, it's so skewed. You know what I mean? I think Dak Prescott getting the money he did, that's really what broke it, in my opinion. And then you've got all these other guys making crazy money. But at the end of the day, like to me, Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes, those guys deserve it no matter what. You need them. You need to pay them whatever they want. Uh, I am going to say I'm not going to jump on saying it was a mistake thus far. It it was a risk. I'll tell you that. There's no doubt about it. A mistake. I think we're going to have to wait to see. It'll be much clearer in a couple years 
what his career trajectory will look like, you know, by the time it is that third year of the contract. And I think we'll know by then, but I'm not going to say it's a mistake just yet. I definitely agree with the mistake as well. Um, because of the fact that um the Giants have a lot of trust in him, he has to have a lot of trust in himself to, like, come back and be the Daniel Jones that everybody knows and loves. And I know that he will do it, but is it going to be this season? Who knows? Definitely not what Giants fans were looking for this season. And I think, Matt, you kind of led into the point where I was going to ask – this Giants season, it started off very, very slow, uh, to say in a nice way. Is it time to call it now? Meaning, do we think their season still has hope? Do we call it, or do we still give them a little bit more time, give them some few games, see what's going on, because they do still have the third hardest schedule in the NFL. I believe they just played the 49ers this past weekend and lost 30-12. to The upcoming weeks, I believe they play teams like the Bills, the Dolphins, the, we play the majority of the, all of the AFC East. It's a tough schedule for the Giants. So is it too early to say Giants are making the playoffs or it's it's time to count them out of the playoffs? What, what do we think, too early or do, do we still give them time? I'm not somebody who really ever says, you know, I'm more of a person who says never say never. It's looking grim. I'm not going to lie about that, especially with, just how poor the defense is played. There's no doubt about that in my mind. But, uh, it, to your point, Chris, though, like, like they have so many tough teams on the right. Like, you know, you've got Josh Allen to play. You just got mopped by the 49ers, who may be the best team in all of football. Um, they've got a really hard road ahead and they just lost Saquon. It's going to be nearly impossible. And then you look at the NFC East, too. The NFC East nowadays, I used to call it the NFC least, but those days are far gone. Because you look at the Commanders, they're getting better. You look at the Eagles, one of the best teams in football, just made the Super Bowl last year. You look at the Cowboys, who have an elite defense, with or without Trayvon Diggs, they are going to be a tough game. That It's going to be very difficult for the Giants. It's going to be nearly impossible, but I won't say never. I also agree with that statement. Um, I don't think it's over for the Giants. I mean, Daniel Jones, he did throw a lot of interceptions, like, in the first couple of games in the season. But I know that the Giants are going to bounce back. And because I'm New York and I love the Giants, I'm not going to count them out just yet. I know that they're going to make the playoffs. I'm sure. As a Giants fan, I can I can agree with that. I'm, so, I'm still going to try to hold out hope. I'm still going to do my absolute best. But, again, their upcoming schedule on Monday night, October 2nd, they play against the Seattle Seahawks. I think it's a very winnable game. Could happen there. But that will be, again, because Geno Smith, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, got a very strong offense over there. And then the next upcoming games, Dolphins, Bills, Commanders, Jets, and Raiders. Got some got some winnable games there. But, again, also big competition coming up for the Giants. But I think now moving on to a different sport, a different side of the New York side of sports, New York baseball as a whole. We'll, we'll start with the, the New York Mets. Uh, after their 10-inning loss to the Phillies, they are now officially eliminated from the playoffs. The New York Mets, one of those teams, every single year you go in thinking, all right, they're going to be one of those top dogs. They're going to be in the playoffs, making some runs, possibly getting all the way to the World Series. Just because, again, being in the New York market and just your name as the Mets, you always have such a high standard of doing very well in the season and in the postseason but now, obviously, out of the playoffs, what does this mean for the Mets? Obviously, they're out of the playoffs, but 
what is next for them? What do they do in the offseason? What do they do next to improve going into next season? Well, it's obviously extremely disappointing. They had hopes of, you know, going to the World Series, even some people said. But the season just didn't turn out as they wanted it to. And, I mean, they've got to rebuild. they got to go somewhere from here. Poor decisions were made during the offseason. I think we could all come to that conclusion. But now they've got to make some better decisions and turn some things around. They were ranked 20th in the MLB in runs per game. Uh, so they got to get some more aggression at the plate. I think addressing that first is what's most important. Um, I also think that their season was a little bit disappointing as a New York person. Um, but yeah, it is time to rebuild. I mean, they did have some key signings in Verlander this season, but it was very disappointing, a very disappointing season for him. I know that in all season, they got to make some trades happen, get some new players on there. Maybe Shohei Otani. I know he's injured right now, but they should try and get him to the, to the Mets. I just kind of like how you bring up Shohei Otani because I actually just saw recently that he will be back to play in 2024. He will be the, be there for the season. But the big aspect there, he will only be able to hit and he won't be able to pitch until 2025, which I think, I mean, going into the offseason, everyone was putting him like big, big money, going to be one of the most versatile players. He could change a franchise drastically. But now he can't pitch until 2025 and can only hit next season. That was kind of his whole game, being able to play both ways, do both sides, game in and game out. But now going into the offseason, that's going to change everything. Which teams want him, how much he gets paid, where is he going to go, that's going to change a lot. So I'm going to ask you this then, because Shohei Otani, he's one of those guys, obviously, big name, big market. You look at guys like LA Dodgers, New York Yankees, New York Mets, all those types of guys. Do we think it's a possibility where the Mets could reach out and try to get a guy like that and try to really make the, give them like a versatile offense and defense? Um, definitely, actually, because like it's like what the team needs. It's like it's a no-brainer at this point. Like your pitchers are not doing too well, your hitters not doing too well, so you need a person that could hit. He could hit that ball. Yeah, I mean. It's going to be difficult with his injury history. Like, obviously, he has a very high trajectory. And, you know, there's people saying that he could have an excellent career. And that's completely fair. It's just with a player who's had a history of injuries and then you got the Mets who have history of making poor decisions in the offseason, especially this year. It's like you may want to be a little bit more on the cautious side. So we'll have to see about that. The Mets definitely had some bright spots this season. One big guy that uh, stands out to me is Pilonzo. He was their big hitter. He was the dude that will go yard whenever the team needs him. He'll go all the way. He had, or so far currently, obviously his season still has about eight more games remaining. Currently, at this very moment, Pilonzo had 45 home runs compared to the second guy on the team, Francisco Lindor, with 27. Almost, almost 20 more than Lindor. But again, Pilonzo only had a batting average of Point two one eight. So he wasn't a consistent guy, but he was a guy that will get you what you need, get you those runs, bring in a lot of runs. He actually had 115 RBIs as we are talking about this now. Do we think going into the offseason, are they looking for to build off of that? Do they want to keep going power hitters, build up to the team like the New York Yankees, who are, I feel like have always been known for always having home run hitters in Stanton, Judge, DJ LeMahieu a little bit, but again, do they go that route of getting more power hitters, or should they look to get more consistency guys who could just get on base? 
I think it could go either way, honestly. I think ultimately they just need aggression at the plate. There's just not enough of that that I see from them. A guy I had in mind was Lourdes Guerriel Jr. Um, I just think he would be a good addition to the team. Somebody who's as aggressive as he is at the plate, I think that would be perfect for the Mets and just what they need. They need that spark because uh, besides like, you know, Pete Alonso, a lot of the team, it just, I don't see that from them. And I need to see more of it to really have faith in them and to really see them building off of that and continuing to move up the ladder. I feel like they just need people that's going to help them win games. Like that's the most important winning games. Like whoever's going to help them win the game, bring them to the New York Mets. Obviously nothing better than a win in any sport, especially in a sport where there's 162 games in a season. I mean, every win is as crucial as the one before it, it will never become any less important but now let's go over to the, the other side of New York baseball in the New York Yankees. Honestly, not in that much of a better position. Fourth in the AL East with a 78 and 76 record. Currently with eight games remaining in the season. Note that eight games remaining. They're currently seven games behind in the wild card race. So they're not statistically out of it, but they have to have the greatest stretch of games they've had in quite some time. And with how the season's been looking, it's not looking likely for the Yankees to make the playoffs. And this will be their first time, if, let's just say, if they don't make the playoffs. It will be the first time since 2016 they did not make the postseason. If I'm being honest, this is a tough season for New York baseball. It's not been a, it's not been a fun ride. Looking like both teams are going to be out of the playoffs. What do you think the Yankees can do? Because I think they've had a tough span when it comes to injuries. They've had injuries lurking throughout the whole season with a lot of those big names. Judge was out for a good amount of time. I believe Stanton was also out at the beginning of the season. And again, other guys, Carlos Rodon, he was out for a while. So should this be for the Yankees? Should we just, should they rebuild? Like, should they just create a new team? I know they like to get a lot of their veterans. They like to get a lot of old guys. Josh Donaldson was one of those guys at the time that they brought in to be a veteran who was a former MVP. But do they rebuild? Should they try to start start new, get some young guys, build a team around someone like uh, Anthony Volpe, who, don't get me wrong, he had a very solid season, but obviously isn't going to be your Aaron Judge immediately. But he's a guy you can definitely build a team around. So is that what they should do? Should they Should they stick to their old ways of trying to bring in veterans? Or should this be a new rebuild going into the offseason? I think they should try to get some youth on the team for sure, just considering how many injuries they had and how much it affected them. Because, like you said, it was just left and right. Players were getting injured. This wasn't good. Um, and it really hurt their hopes of going anywhere. And, I mean, you brought up Donaldson, but the, Donaldson was released for a reason. You know what I mean? And uh, they, I would like to see them just get some youth on the team. Players who you know are reliable, who you know can play in games consistently. And I feel like that's what Yankees fans are just yearning for. They just want guys who they know are going to be able to perform and go out there and do their absolute best and have no limitations on them whatsoever. I think that'll elevate fan morale. I think that'll elevate team morale. I think that'll give them a fighting chance. Put that in their heart that they know their best players are going to be going out there on the field for every game. I definitely agree with that statement as well. I do feel like they should keep some of the old players to like train up the youth, but they should mostly get more youth into, into it so they can make a meet, whoever's going to make an immediate impact. They need to bring to the team. I, I like where you guys are both going with that. Trying to start young, start, start new with some young guys, but again, always keeping those old guys that can teach and t- 
pass down a lot of their traits that they know from all their years in the sport of baseball. But now, looking past the sport of baseball, going back to the NFL, uh, we had some unfortunate news recently in the past Monday night game, I believe it was. Nick Chubb, one of the most beloved running backs in the NFL. I think anyone you ask about him, I don't think anyone has any bad thing to say about him. He's probably one of the most loved guys in the all of, of NFL. I'm I'm one of those guys who love Nick Chubb. He's one of those guys doesn't say much, but he gets it done on the field, and that's what you love to see as an NFL owner, especially for the Cleveland Browns, having such a great running back. But again, we all saw Monday night. He had a very gruesome injury where that they couldn't even show it. It was that bad. Um, it's a very unfortunate scene for Nick Chubb. A lot of people thought that it would be career ending for him. That it was not looking good for him to keep moving on. But they just came out. I believe yesterday it was. He was only, or they only believed that he suffered a torn MCL, which going into the uh, X-rays and all that kind of stuff. They thought he tore his ACL, MCL, LCL. They thought he tore everything there was. Um, but the, the unfortunate news about this is that it is the same knee that he injured in 2015 where he did tear his PCL, MCL, and his LCL. So if we're hoping, we're, we're hearing some good news, that this is not going to be a career ending, that there is some hope in this situation that he could, he could come back 100% and play football again. But let me ask you guys this. Should he? Because, again, that's an injury where it's tough to come back from, especially coming back 100%. Do you think he can? But should he is the big question. If he feels comfortable enough to play, he should come back and play. But other than that, I wouldn't risk it because it's the same knee where he tore his, like, MCL and all those injuries. I wouldn't risk it. If I was him, I'd probably become, like, a coach or, like, something on the sidelines, like, move to the sidelines because I want to be able to walk if I was him. Like, I don't. I think it depends upon what he wants for his life. Um, it's different from in, as something like a head injury. Like if, if Tua, for example, was to get two more concussions, that'd be pretty scary. We already saw what happened that night. I believe it was Thursday night football against the Bengals. Maybe it was Monday night football. I can't remember. You know what I'm talking about. Um, I think, like I said, though, it's what he wants for his life. I can't speak for him. But what I can say is that he's an excellent running back, definitely top five in the league, and a guy I would love to see play again. And these Browns really need him because I don't know if you guys have seen, but Deshaun Watson is not looking like the player he was in Houston whatsoever. He hasn't been producing. And, I mean, it's very difficult to come back off of, like, a two year, two years of not playing and to be that same player he once was. Um, that being said, though, he's being paid $230 million dollars. So you'd hope he could produce more than he has thus far. But we really haven't seen that from him. A lot of this offense is very reliant on what Nick Chubb can do from the ball. In fact, they're so reliant on Nick Chubb, and they believe in him so much, that they just let Kareem Hunt walk at first. Now they've re-signed him that Chubb's down. But they have so much belief in him and his abilities. They re- That offense really needs him. Whether he's healthy, if he's not healthy enough, Obviously, don't go for it. I saw on Instagram a few days ago uh, the Georgia injury, and it, it made me cringe just seeing that. It was the first time I'd seen it in a while, and, of course, it's getting posted around everywhere now that he's re-injured. I'm like, oh, boy, that did not look good whatsoever. And 
I believe he slid in the draft as a result of that. It was a long time ago, so I can't exactly remember. But I believe he did slide in the draft. And uh, it's a very serious injury. It's going to be very difficult. We already spoke about how tough it is for running backs to stay in the league and to be effective for a long period of time. For him to come back off of a second major injury in his career like that and to be the same player, it's going to be very difficult. It's going to be very difficult for him to be an elite running back again. But I do believe in him. I think he can absolutely add value to a team, and I would love to see him again in the 2024 season. would definitely love to see him keep playing because, I mean, the past four seasons, he's arguably been one of the best, if not the best running back in the league. Past four seasons, not including the start of this one, he had a 1,000 rushing yards every single season, made the Pro Bowl every single year, and last year he was the all-pro second-team running back. And I believe there was not a single season, not one season, where he averaged under five yards a carry. And as a running back, to average five yards a carry is crazy. That is insane for a running back to be that consistent, that good. And this year, he was averaging his best all all career with 6.1 yards per attempt. So he's definitely a guy that changes an offense. You can hand him the ball 25, 30 times a game, and he'll keep playing like it's the first play of the entire game. That's just the type of guy he is. He will not stop. His engine will keep on going, and it's definitely going to be a big impact on the Cleveland Browns, who, as you said, Matt, rely on him. Like, they're the guy that they go to whenever they need anything. And I was talking about before, and Matt, you also brought it up again too, the the career length in the NFL, not long, not very long. So we, we talked about how Nick Chubb, tore his uh, PCL, MCL, and LCL earlier in 2015. It's tough to say because, I mean, he came back from that, which great for him to come back and still play even better than he was before. But now doing it again, it's going to be tough for him to come back completely. Does he still have a career in the NFL? Personally, I do believe he does because I think if you give him time, he's the guy that will do anything he can to get back in the NFL world. I mean, I'll – uh, every time I look at, like, a po- post-game interview or, like, a training interview of Nick Chubb, he is always, like, stone-cold face, ready to be on the field. Like, if you tell him right now to go run a play and go try to run for 10, 15 yards, he's ready to go, helmet on, pads on. He's going the yards. He's He will not stop. He looks like he's ready to go in any single moment. So do I think he's going to come back? I think he will. Will it come back to what he was? Maybe not exactly, because, again, that's a tough thing to come back from. And, again, the same knee. Like, that's going to be a very long uh, process to come back. I believe they said it's going to be about six to eight months for him to come back fully 100%. Probably not. But by then, he should be able to start doing some more work, some field work, maybe putting on pads. But, again, it's looking like it's going to be a long journey for Nick Chubb. Hopefully, he can come back. And again, I feel like the whole NFL world would be happy if he can come back. And Matt, you kind of brought up Deshaun Watson. I kind of wanted to talk about him as well because I believe it was last season where he came back for the Browns. We Everyone thought, oh my God, let's pay him money. He's going to be that guy we all know from the, from the Houston Texans who was arguably up in the running for the MVP at the time because he was just that good. But now we're looking at him. He's looking like a lost puppy dog out there without Nick Chubb, without his guys. 
and just without being in the same situation he was. I mean, he used to have DeAndre Hopkins on the Texans, and that is arguably one of the best wide receivers in the past decade. He's been up there with guys like Julio Jones, Larry Fitzgerald. He's always been that guy up there. But now he's with, don't get me wrong, Amari Cooper is a great wide receiver. He's no DeAndre Hopkins. But then behind him, he's got Donovan Peoples-Jones, Anthony Schwartz, who I believe is still there, and then David Njoku, great tight end. But again, Deshaun Watson is not the guy we used to know on the Texans. Do we think, I mean, same situation as Daniel Jones. Can he bring the season back? Can he be the guy that we know and love? Can he be the guy that will bring you to the playoffs? There's nothing so far that would suggest that. So I'm not even, I can't even make an argument that he could come back and play excellently because he had six games last year to do that. And he didn't. And he's had a few games this year and I haven't seen anything yet. Is it possible? Sure. Yeah, it's possible. I'm not counting him out completely, but is there anything that would suggest, you know, Deshaun Watson's going to come back and be the superstar he was in Houston? No, I haven't seen that. And Chris, you did bring up that DeAndre Hopkins was there. Obviously D hop was one of the best, if not the best receiver in the league at that time. But there was also a year where Deshaun Watson was throwing to Will Fuller and Kenny Stills. Now, no disrespect to these guys, but Will Fuller and Kenny Stills, are neither of them are number one wide receivers. I watched Kenny Stills on the Dolphins for years. Again, great number two guy. Will Fuller, uh, solid number two guy in his prime. But he was playing excellently, Deshaun Watson, with a, a receiving core that, you know, it's not, you don't have a DeAndre Hopkins. You don't have a Julio Jones. None of those guys were superstar wide receivers, and he was still playing excellent. He had a cannon arm, extreme, extremely athletic. And all those things I used to see from him in Houston, I'm just not seeing from him now. Like you said, he looks like a lost puppy dog out there. He, it's just they're so reliant on the run, and it's almost like they just don't know what to do now. It's like that Nick Chubb is gone. Oh, oh goodness, what do we do now? So they've really got to re-strategize and figure out how much they're going to be able to get out of Deshaun. It's a big money contract, so if it doesn't end up being worth it, it's going to be a huge waste because it was a five-year contract when he signed it. So they're really stuck with this thing. You know, it's kind of like – and I think how much longer do we give him with the rust excuse, though? That That's my thing because we already saw him for six games last year. We've already seen him a few games this year. He does not look like that guy whatsoever. And if he's not going to be able to produce, then they may just have to cut their losses eventually. Um, I definitely feel like when Deshaun Watson was at Houston, like he's a superstar, but like you said, now he is a lost puppy. And I feel like if he doesn't get back to that form, like it's wraps for them. Like they're done. They're done. He just got to trust his team. He just got to trust his team. He got to trust himself and then they'll be all right. Definitely a tough situation over there in Cleveland with Deshaun Watson. And Matt, I absolutely love how you brought up Will Fuller specifically I will never forget, in fantasy, he might have been my Lord Savior in 2020. Uh, I believe he had like a few games where he scored like 20 plus points. And I've never loved a man more in my life. Um, but again, like he's never, like Deshaun Watson's never had, other than DeAndre Hopkins and Amari Cooper, obviously. He's never had great guys. So he's been able to make with what he has. Will Fuller, we can, we'll talk about him just because I brought him up. Um, he was, in his years, he never broke a 1,000 yards. At most, he had 879, and that was in 2020. But his last action was in 2021 with 26 yards. So 
Deshaun Watson has not had the great weapons, but again, he's been able to make with do. He's been able to make with what he has and do the best he can. But now he's in, I believe, again, a very great situation. You got guys like Amari Cooper, Donovan People Jones, David Njoku, Nick Chubb when he was there. But again, also Jerome Ford. Jerome Ford is a very good running back that when he stepped in, he made plays happen. The moment I remember in this past Monday game when he came in, I think he broke a, a touch, not a touchdown. I think it was a stopped on the one. It's like a 60 or 70 yard rushing play. And that was a big game changer. So he's got guys there who can make plays happen. But it really is, it just relies on Deshaun Watson playing up to the money that he's getting paid, again, just like Daniel Jones. Will he be able to keep doing it? Who knows? With Nick Chubb out, it's definitely going to be tough because it's going to be reliant all on him if he can keep that going. But I think that was a good way to end off the episode of X's and Opinions this week. Have a lot going on in sports. We're going to look to see how the Giants can bounce back. And maybe, in some world, maybe the Yankees will pull off a miraculous eight-game span and go undefeated. Who never, who knows? But unfortunately for the Mets, they are out of the playoffs. And again, we we wish the absolute best for Nick Chubb in his recovery and to come back at 100%. For me, I'm Chris Jones, and I'm here with Matt Soderberg and Darren Worrell. Come back again next week for another episode of X's and Opinions.